in, in um, the 8 o'clock service, I'm not a morning person, okay? And so it really wasn't, it wasn't even 8 o'clock. It was in our, in our bodies. Mine's at 7 o'clock. And I said, what's, what's, there's one thing harder than preaching that early in the morning, and it's listening <laughs> to somebody trying to preach that early in the morning. So I, I, hope, I hope you guys have had a little bit more. Uh, you're the soft group this morning. We know that. You had to stay in bed a little bit longer, but you are here. It seems like an unusually large second service, too. <laughs> Either way, um, you have made the right choice. Um, this is the Lord's day. You are in the Lord's house. And you are with the Lord's people. And what an absolute delight it is to be together. We have his word before us. I am in constant and desperate need as I seek to preach its truth to you. And we are grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit that is present. Um, But we need to pray. And we need to bow our heads and just ask for God to speak and that we would hear. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come now into your presence, we come in the name and through the work of Jesus, and Jesus alone. We thank you for uh, this time that you have arranged, that you literally have ordained for us to hear this text preached, even from this person. And Lord, that's just a a wild concept to to know that you've arranged this. And Lord, as I stand before these precious people with your word, I would pray, please, and I plead with you to just fill me with your spirit and pour me out for your glory. Lord, every single one of us this morning will, will bump up against a subject that we all we all struggle with at some level. And God, I would ask that through your power, you would give to us a renewed reminder of the importance of surrender and submission to your sovereign authority. Father, I just pray for each person that's here. I, I do not know, I cannot know what is just swirling through people's heads and hearts, but God, I would ask that you would comfort those who are hurting. Father, I pray as well that as the Spirit works, that perhaps you would quicken, awaken, convict those that need to be convicted. Please guard my mind and my mouth, and may you be glorified, may the name of Jesus be exalted, and may this body be built up and edified. We ask this in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, last couple weeks, we have seen some significant events in the life and ministry, the mission that Jesus is on. And we've seen a serious tone that Jesus is serious about faulty worship. He's, he's very serious about false religion. People that proclaim one thing and, and live another. And 
these actions are very evident um, with what? The cleansing of the temple and the cursing of the fig tree. Um, these have been, and I think it's pretty easy to detect, they've been very like direct, forceful, kind of blunt events. Some would even say that they have been rather brash events on Jesus' behalf. But remember that that it is not without purpose. Everything that Jesus does, everything that Jesus does is with purpose. Everything that Jesus does has eternal perspective. If, if you recall, we've been preaching. This is, this is week number 42. Did you know that? You didn't know that. I know that. Week number 42, and we're getting to the end of Mark chapter 11, and we've been learning about the fact that the ministry, the mission of Jesus is what is that he is on task. He is on task to fulfill his Father's will. He will complete his Father's will. He will what? He will establish his kingdom totally different than what other people think it's going to look like. And he will what? He is here to bring hope and healing. He, he is here to what? Bring people from sin to salvation, to bring people from what? from death to life, the ministry of Jesus. Now, we're going to look at these actions of Jesus have caused quite a stir, and the response is not the the type like, you know, the raised eyebrow, like, hmm, who who do you think you are, Jesus? It's not that type of response. This is a clenched fist. This is a furious fuming response. They are enraged and incensed. It's not a, who do you think you are? It's, it's, it's who do you think you are doing that? That's the tone of what the confrontation that is taking place right here. Now, remember, this is, this is Wednesday of Passion Week. This confrontation is going to end on Friday with a crucifixion. So we know how this story unfurls over these next 48 hours. Serious conflict and confrontation from Jesus and the Pharisees. Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. Follow along as I read the word of God to you this morning. And they, the disciples and Jesus, came again to Jerusalem and as He, Jesus, as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him and they said to him, by by what authority are you doing these things or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, "I, I will ask you one question, answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man, they were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not No. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Okay, those of you, and there have been several of you that have been sitting in Pastor Aaron's class 
on Sunday mornings, Bible from the grounds up. Very, very helpful. Excellent, excellent class. Teaching us on how to what? How to read and study the Bible consistently by implementing what we call basic rules of hermeneutics. And what? There are three. Observation, interpretation, and application. Now, if you work backwards, you know that effective application always flows from accurate interpretation, which stems from or comes from complete and thorough observation. So we have just read a text, and hopefully by way of what? Uh, applying some of these basic principles. We can read and reread anything that's repeated, anything that is related, anything that is emphasized. And this is a perfect text. And it reveals to us very quickly, kind of bubbles up to the top. Well, what is this subject about? Well, it's, it's pretty clear because we have seven verses we just read. Four times, four times in these seven verses, the same word is used. What? The word exousia, authority. Seven verses, the same word repeated. You, you look for that. You notice that stuff. In seven verses, there's four question marks. In seven verses, twice, Jesus says exactly the same thing. Answer me. And it's very obvious what is happening here. That what? It's the, it's the matter. It's the question. It's the subject of authority that we're talking about. Particularly that, that, that the authority that Jesus has is being challenged. I said it's the Greek word exousia. It means, well, this, this is the, 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 the definition of the word authority. The, the freedom to act. Authority is what? To exercise force or will. To determine or to decide. Now, every single one of us at some level has Authority. Some have more than others. Even a child oftentimes can have authority over what? It's your responsibility, son, to take care of the little puppy. Take him out, okay? You, 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 you tell him to do and he's supposed to listen to you. Exactly, right? You train him. You have authority. Every one of us have some degree of authority. Understand this. No one who has ever walked the face of this planet has had more authority than Jesus. No one. Jesus has all authority. He has ultimate, absolute. He has divine authority. Matter of fact, the very final words that Jesus spoke before he ascended back up in the heaven at the end of his earthly ministry, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he says what? All authority upon heaven and earth has been given to me. And he says, what, you go into all the world and you preach the gospel. We have been looking through the gospel of Mark and we have heard what? Mark chapter 1 and verse 22. It says that they were astonished. People were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one that had authority. Mark chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, The Son of Man has authority even to forgive sins. Imagine that kind of authority. Mark chapter 4 and verse 41, the disciples were speaking. It says that they were filled with great fear and they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, some of you sit in positions of authority. 
Have you ever said, excuse me, wind, stop blowing, and it has happened? Like, we can't, we can't even begin to fathom this type of authority. Seventy-five times throughout the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus says this, truly I say to you. You know, everything that I say is what? It's based on the authority. I have nothing to tell you. Everything that is of any weight or value or anything that is of any authority that I would speak, it comes from this book. People quote other people to make an emphasis. Jesus quotes himself. I tell you truly, I tell you this. He has what? He has full authority and we've seen it over these months together in this particular gospel. Jesus has authority over doctrine. Jesus has authority over diseases. He has authority over demons. He even has authority over death. Lazarus, come forth. We get a glimpse here of this subject. And for some reason, I don't know why, but the subject of authority has surfaced repeatedly in the ministry and the mission that Jesus is on. I thought about that. Well, I think, I think people, I think the Pharisees had a little bit of an authority issue. That's the reason it bubbled to the top so many times. And I was thought about it. I was like, you know what? I don't think it's just the Pharisees that have an, an authority issue. I think it's all the people of Jesus' day had an authority issue. And then I thought, wait a minute. God's word is absolutely timeless. It transcends every culture, every context. I think the subject of authority surfaces. Why? Because you and I struggle with this subject so much. I hate to be told what to do in my flesh. I hate, forgive me, I know I'm probably going to get, do you know the little signs with the number that says you can't drive faster than this? Man, I don't like that. And yet I've got to obey it. Or else it's really, really expensive. So, so there's this idea when it comes to the subject of authority, I, I think it, it, it bubbles to the top so many times in the ministry, the mission of Jesus, because there's something that you and I have to learn. Now, it collides today, particularly with these, with, with, with these Pharisees. Now, now what? We, we know that if someone were to ask us, okay, who's in charge? We would say, well, God's in charge. It's like the perfect Sunday school answer. Okay, who has all authority? Who calls all the shots? Well, God does. How about, how about in your, your life? You can't, you can't elbow the person next to you, not left or right. Who has all authority? Well, well, God has all authority in my life. Really? Which means what? Which means every single decision that you make, every decision you make is according to his will and not your own will. Really? Do you arrange and align your agenda for the week, your little calendar, your little, your little book that you're supposed to be or on your... Do you arrange and align that completely according to the Lord's will over your will? If we really examine this, do you seek to please him? First and foremost, every word that comes out of my mouth, do I seek to please him? Really? Everything I do, everything that I buy, 
Every place that I go, do I honestly do that so that God is glorified? That's what we're instructed to do. Think about this subject. Do you desire to follow him wherever he leads or do you desire to follow him at like your convenience? I'll go this far, but I'm not going any further, sorry. Subject of authority, the fact that God has it over you, I think we get it here, like we get it up here. Like, yes, God's in charge, but it doesn't translate to our hands and our feet and our mouth. What do we do here? Jesus, number one, Jesus has asked a question. The question has an intention. The question is meant to trap him. Number one, Jesus is asked a question that is meant to trap him. We see this in verses 27 and verse 28. We just read it. Okay, Jesus goes back to Jerusalem. Interesting, he's with his 12 disciples. Where does he always go? Where's the first place he always goes? It's it, it's right here. As he was walking into the temple, he always goes first place. Let's let's go to the temple. We got to go there. And it says, as he's walking into the temple, it says the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him and said to him. Now, we know throughout our study, not just in the Gospel of Mark, but throughout all the Gospels, these guys, okay, or, 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 or portions or representation of, of each one of these three groups have been literally following Jesus around for the last three years. They have been what? They have constantly been just like pestering him. They are the buzzing gnats around his head. And if it wasn't the, the, the priests, it was the scribes. If it wasn't the scribes, it was the elders. And in this particular reference, we have all three groups, the priests, the scribes, and the elders that comprise the entire Sanhedrin. Everybody from the big boys club is here right now, right here. Notice as well that there's a big difference between, uh, between what when we say, well, you, you don't want to mess with me. Between that and you don't want to mess with us. N- notice that when you're with your posse, all of a sudden you're like muscles are bigger. And that's kind of the idea with these guys here that they are together and they are what? You don't want to mess with us because they are all here. So they ask this question, by what authority are you doing these things? They don't expressly say what it is, but we know what these things are. What has Jesus just done? He just went into the temple the day before and flipped over the tables and just turned and ticked everybody off. And so when they make reference to, by what authority are you doing these things, there's, there's a specific thing in mind, and it's the fact that he was just in the temple. I thought about why are these guys like, why are they so? I thought a picture for us. These guys, they think in their mind, they're like guard dogs. Do you know what a guard dog is? Guard dog is like just a big, mean, nasty, snarling, slobbering dog that's what? It's inside of a fence or it's at the end of a, of a, of a chain. And what? If you cross a certain line, then you, you're in trouble. Why? Because there's a guard dog there. A guard dogs, what? Generally are, are there to guard something that is of value, right? 
These guys are guard dogs. The problem is, is that they're guarding something that is of no eternal value. They're guarding their own traditions. They're guarding their own, what, customs? They're, they're guarding what, what they are comfortable with and what they think is the right thing. When in all honesty, it's, it's, it's useless. Now think about, are there, are there churches that exist today? Are there organizations that exist today that they meet together and whatever they do, they are of no eternal value. Think about it. Think about so-called churches, okay? They claim to be a church, but they have completely removed the authority of the word of God. But they still call themselves a church, okay? Is what they're doing, playing bingo on Wednesday night, of any eternal value? Any eternal? Absolutely not. You remove this from any church and you lose all eternal value. So think about, okay, a church that has removed the word of God, the message of the gospel, and you go into that church and you start like flipping tables over, like you're just ticked because you removed this. Do you think that someone probably is going to say, um, excuse me, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm sorry, by what authority are you doing this? And your response would have to be, um, over this particular, like, useless organization, you have, your, you have no authority. The difference between Jesus is that he is all authority. That he does have the right, in a sense, to go in and say, you claim this. And he is the absolute authority. Now, what's interesting is that these guys are asking Jesus a question that they already know the answer to. They were there. This is the same group. You go back to the Gospel of John um, and, and Mar- uh, John chapter 10. Uh, John chapter 9 is when the blind man receives his sight. And then in John chapter 10, they're all upset because the blind guy got his sight back on the Sabbath. And so they're upset about this. And, and, and Jesus makes this statement, same people, they're listening. Jesus makes this statement in John chapter 10, verse 30. He says, I and the Father are one. Very clear. They know where his authority comes from. The idea is here is they want to get him to say it. Because if he says it right here, okay, in front of it, then what? He is the blasphemer. They have one goal in mind. They want him dead. They want him out. They want him condemned. The problem was, Jesus wasn't a blasphemer. The problem was, they were. The problem is, is what? They, they, they are replacing God's message of redemption with their own plan. Do, do you ever replace God's plan with your plan? Yeah, I tried that a couple times. It like, it, it's like loserville all day long. It doesn't work. God has a plan. The summary is we better align ourselves, our lives, according to his plan. Now, Jesus, Jesus is, is in, a, in a sense, 
he is acknowledging an amazing doctrine here that he is completely God in all authority, and yet he is still subject to the authority of his heavenly father, where we see the deity of Christ on display here, but we also see the doctrine of the Trinity on display here. Throughout the entire what uh, ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, John chapter 4 and verse 34, Jesus says, this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Wait, wait a minute. I thought Jesus is all authority, but yet his job is to accomplish what his heavenly father has sent him to do. It says in John chapter 5 and verse 19, So Jesus said, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Isn't this amazing to see kind of this blend right here in this moment? Walking in the temple with this crowd that Jesus reveals and displays all of himself. John chapter 6, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And yet I and the Father are one. It's an amazing understanding of who Jesus is. He is completely divine, and yet he is in complete submission. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 that why the Lord Jesus Christ took upon himself the form of of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wait a minute. So one who is in all sovereign reign and rule, authority becomes obedient. Yeah. That's the amazing truth of who this one is. Now these, these Pharisees, these priests, these scribes know all about it. They have been following Jesus around. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't like the message. At no time have they ever come to him seeking or searching for that which is true. They've never questioned their own belief. In a sense, what? They're cold-hearted, they're hard-hearted, they're stubborn unbelievers. Matter of fact, their conclusion at one particular point was what? Jesus is is from hell. He's demon-possessed. It says in, as we studied in Mark chapter 3, verse 3, he has an unclean spirit. He's, 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 He's the worst of the worst. That gives us a little bit of a glimpse that these people have no interest in the, 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 the truth. They have no intention to trust. Their only goal was to trick. Their only goal was to trap. But you don't trap the one who has and is all authority. Secondly, Jesus answers a question in a way that actually traps others. A method that is oftentimes used in rabbinical teaching, and we would, we would actually be very wise to learn this, is to answer a question with another question. It's brilliant. Jesus said to them, I will ask you a question. Answer me. I love that. I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven, from God? or from men? Answer me. Now, we have to understand, this is a reference, what, John, this is the the baptism of John, this is a direct reference to John the Baptist, the one who was the forerunner of the Messiah, the greatest prophet known to everyone at this particular time that ever lived, chosen by God. His birth to Zacharias and Elizabeth was an absolute miracle. She was way beyond years. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, 
John the Baptist was the one in the wilderness preaching repentance and preparation for the coming Messiah who saw Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's interesting as well to see that everyone knew and trusted the ministry of John the Baptist. He was the one that says what? The voice crying out in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Well, these people lived and died according to what Isaiah said. And so there is an aligning, even of the ministry of John the Baptist, it's like, well, John's like the real deal. He, he, he is. The problem is what? They liked the ministry in some respects of John the Baptist proclaiming the Messiah is coming, but when the Messiah came, they didn't like him because they didn't like his message. Same thing happens to you and I. We'll take the gospel as long as we begin to pick and choose obedience. As long as we begin to pick and choose what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. Now, what has been the message consistently of Jesus. He's been preaching about the fact that righteousness is not going to come according to your plan. Okay, it's not going to come by, by achieving things on your own. It's not going to come by you doing good things and, and, and by good works. Jesus has just, has just taken that and thrown it all. He has preached humility. He's preached brokenness. He's, broken, he, he's preached uh, repentance. He's preached contrition. He's talked about the fact that you need to forgive one another. And the whole message is totally different. He has taught what? The, the word of God requires discipleship. Following Christ is going to cost you something. You deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus taught about the glory of heaven. He talked about the reality of hell. And they don't like it. They don't like anything he has to say. So Jesus' response to them is what? I read this week. I love it. It is stunningly brilliant. And he puts, he turns the tables and puts them in the hot seat. Ask a question, and I, I love this. And they discussed it with one another. I kind of think about, you know, okay, we're, we're going to go over here for a minute. And we're kind of like all huddled up. Like, what do you think? And they're kind of whispering amongst themselves. They discussed it with one another. And basically, there's only one of two options. If they said the ministry of John, okay, is from heaven or from God, then they have to admit that Jesus is the Messiah because that's exactly what John said. The only other option was if they say the ministry of John is not from heaven or not from God, that it's actually from man. They've got a problem because that completely negates the person, the prophecy, the ministry of John himself. So the dilemma is what? You can't have John without Jesus and you can't throw away Jesus without throwing away John. They're stuck. Brilliant. And I seem more excited than you do. You can't, you can't take bits and pieces, the ones that you want, and then just toss, which it doesn't work like that. The question at hand was the baptism of John, the Baptist from heaven, from God, or not? Answer me. The testing, the prying, and the trying. And here's, here is the brilliant response from the most what? The best and brightest minds. So they answered Jesus. We do not know. Like, what? 
Like you, you're the posse. You guys are all together, and you, this is this is what you can offer. We, we don't know. I just love. I love the one who's in charge. Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus has his authority on display here, and and hear me on this. He answers to no one but his heavenly Father. Do you understand that? Like we take bits and pieces of the ministry, the mission, the message of Jesus. And then we like drop the parts that we don't like. Deny yourself, really? And follow me. See, that's, that's what we have to understand. How do, we, how do we, in a sense, take this and we reload up and apply it to our lives today? Number one, know, know that someone is calling the shots. And guess what? It's not you. You are what? You are his creation. You are not the creator. And I think we need to be reminded of that because at times I really think like I'm a pretty good guy that I know what I'm doing and I don't because he calls the shots for my life. I, 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 I can't do that. We have to know that. You have to realize that every single one of us at some level have been given a little bit of responsibility. And we like, we take that and we're like, yeah, everyone better just clear out, back off because I'm the, I'm sorry, who gave you that authority? Who allowed your heart to beat and you to take one more breath? Who allowed you to walk in here? Who who allowed you in a sense to see what's happening? Who allowed you to hear the reading of God's word, the preaching of God's word? Who who did all of that? Know that someone is in charge and it's not you, it's not me. Secondly, accept the fact that God has all authority. Not only do we accept the fact that we have to understand that he is in complete control, that he's got a plan in all honesty, it's a good plan. Is it exactly the one that you want? Probably not. Is it exactly the one that I want? Probably not. I'd rather be like six foot four with this dark head of hair. Like that's not God's plan. Just just stand there and look weird. We have to understand what? God's in charge here. You and I know less, much less than he does. Thirdly and finally, and this is the key part, surrender to his authority and trust his plan for salvation. If you hear, if you hear a constant, if you hear a constant message when it comes to the full essence and extent of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is what? You better fall on your face. It's surrender, which means we just give up. We, We literally, we live and we breathe in submission and recognition to his authority. I love the words in Romans in chapter 14 and verse 11. I'll quote this and leave it. It is written. It is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. You realize that? You on your little mission to accomplish what you think you need to do for your life to make you happy? Oh, gag. Every knee... Jesus says, will bow to me. And every tongue will confess to God. I I would take 
our text this morning as a reminder of how we live every moment of every day. His authority on display. Father, we love you and we thank you for your gracious patience in loving us. We pray that at this very moment, the Holy Spirit would give us the strength to be obedient to your word and to recognize who's in charge, that you are and that we are not. We ask this in Christ's name.